Welcome to In Orbit, the podcast exploring how technology from space is empowering a better world, brought to you by the Satellite Applications Catapult. I'm your host, Mike Curtis-Rouse, Head of Access to Space at the Catapult, and in this series we'll be in conversation with some of the most inspiring minds in the country, exploring the ways that the UK is using space to make huge differences to our everyday lives, as well as gaining a better understanding of its role in shaping and sustaining our planet for the future. In today's bonus episode, we're discussing the AMBER satellite. AMBER is a partnership between the Satellite Application Catapult and Horizon Technologies. Built by AAC Clyde Space in Scotland, it will be launched by Virgin Orbit's Launcher 1 on its historic flight from Spaceport Cornwall later this year, a mission that will mark the first ever orbital launch from a UK spaceport. I'm joined in the studio by Nick Marshall, Project Manager of AMBER at the Satellite Applications Catapult, and remotely from London by John Beckner, CEO of Horizon Technologies, and from the International Astronautical Congress in Paris, Peter Anderson, Chief Commercial Officer at AAC Clyde Space. AMBER is expected to be the first of a constellation of satellites to provide maritime domain awareness data to users. Using unique patented technology, the system will geolocate and demodulate radio frequency data from ships around the world, including listening for the presence or the absence of a ship's automatic identification system, also known as AIS. AMBER forms part of the Satellite Applications Catapult In-Orbit Demonstration Program, also known as IOD. The In-Orbit Demonstration Program offers partners a fast-track, low-cost opportunity to test their service or technology on a CubeSat mission, launched into low Earth orbit. IOD helps to accelerate proof-of-concept stage by providing an affordable in-orbit testbed and a range of operational and business support services to exploit the commercial potential of the mission. Peter, John, Nick, fabulous to have you here. Fabulous to be in the conversation. Uh, let's have a great conversation of talking about AMBER in-orbit demonstration and hopefully getting it on board the first launch out of the UK into space, out of the UK spaceport on a UK launch vehicle with a UK-built satellite. Uh, can I say that, Peter? A UK-built satellite, or do you want to say Scottish-built satellite? What's your what's your preference? No, no, no. You, it is a UK-built satellite in Scotland, but it is UK-built. A UK-built satellite uh, into space and a whole bunch of historic firsts. So before we go really into the technical detail, John, um, could you just introduce yourself uh, and just give us a little bit of a preamble of who you are, what your background is, what your interests are, Let's stick with space for now and maybe not go any wider than that. Yeah, no, my pleasure. John Beckner, I'm the CEO of Horizon Technologies. After I left, I used to work in Washington for the U.S. government. I was um, working for a number of congressmen on the Armed Services Committee, uh, moved to Europe in my 20s, and was basically a consultant to major aerospace companies, British Aerospace, Northrop Grumman, um, Raytheon, um, I was a consultant. In about 2012, I had this idea uh, when the piracy was going on in Eastern Africa of how do you find pirates at sea? And I had this concept of a um, dual-use commercial uh, box, a line-replaceable unit to go on aircraft uh, to find pirates. We call it Flying Fish. And the technology was UK technology out of L3 Harris in Tewkesbury. And the flying fish developed into the concept of amber in terms of let's put that payload that hunts pirates and refugees, saves refugees, onto a CubeSat. And that's how I got introduced to the uh, space business. Originally, we had a relationship with Spire um, that didn't really go anywhere. But we came from, well, me personally, I came from a consultant to a startup which had an aerospace business and still does 
into a company that's um, going to really turn into a space company, a da- space-based data company, I should say. Um, and that's where we got started. I, I could talk about the IOD program, but I'll, I'll defer to you on questions or if you want me to get into more detail on that. Thanks, John. So we're, we're talking flying fish turning into maybe space fish, but maybe let, let's call, not call it space fish. We'll stick with amber. Um, before we go into the details on amber, um, Peter, we wouldn't have amber and we wouldn't be able to put amber in space without having the spacecraft. So we're talking two parts to the spacecraft. We're talking the payload, which is fundamentally the flying fish, but the space fish component. Um, and we'll go back to John on that in a moment. And then, we're, of course, we're talking about the spacecraft, which does everything else. Um, Peter, can you just give a, a quick introduction to yourself, your background, and your involvement here? Yes, of course. And, and thank you very much for having me along today. So my name is Peter Anderson. I'm the Chief Commercial Officer of AAC Clyde Space. AC Clyde Space is, is an international company nowadays. I think back when we first started cooperating on the in-orbit de- demonstration program, we were simply Clyde Space Limited uh, a company based up in Glasgow. But we've grown now as part of an acquisition, actually. We're now technically a Swedish company, uh, and we have six sites globally. We offer three things to the market. We do a range of different products for spacecraft, up to 500 kilogram spacecraft we can service. In real terms, probably more than that, but certainly it does start to taper off. We offer space missions. Um, and again, this is this is actually where, and I'm sure I hope we get to touch on this later on, is, is one of the advantages we've taken from the uh, satellite applications catapult in-orbit program, which we have supported for some time. Um, you know, we have grown our capability to deliver spacecraft to orbit as well and operate them, but all built around our nanosat range, that one to 50 kilogram window. And finally, and, and much more recently, we've, we've started taking our own spacecraft and delivering data uh, to the market, but that's predominantly around environmental blue economy type applications. And, and one of our acquisitions recently was of a weather um, science payload company uh, as part of that. Thanks, Peter. So that's that's two of the big chunks of it, and I the, the kind of the third chunk of where well, we've got a spacecraft and we've got a payload is putting it all together, and the complexities of that fall to the satellite applications catapult, my organisation, but also a Nick Marshall's organisation. Nick, you are effectively trying to pull together this um, band of brothers, band of sisters, mm-hmm. uh, bands of uh, space professionals into trying to make this a viable project and actually achieve success. Can you just give a, a little bit of um, introduction again to yourself, background and your role in um, Amber and IOD3? Yeah, sure. And Mike, thank you very much. Peter and John, it's a pleasure to be here with you today and to be in a slightly different environment to the day-to-day work that we've been doing f- over the past uh, period, trying to get uh, our collective hour satellite to orbit and what an exciting moment we exist in where just like peter said the industry has changed the world is changing we're quick to orbit we're we're dealing with nanosats and and moving away from the old space very much into the new space and and mike like you say the challenges day to day for me and the project management team um have been how can we do this in an, in an agile and professional way as quickly and as cleanly and eff- effectively as we possibly can so I'm a project manager. I've been with the Catapult for 18 months. Uh, I have a defence and military technical background, um, but really the application uh, in this project has been, let's get this organised, let's get this flying, and we're almost there. Thanks, Nick. So um, let's get into the depth of this. So, John, can you tell us what Amber is? I mean... Amber, you've told us already, in some respects, is flying fish. I'm not going to call it space fish. I'm going to leave that there. So can you tell us about Amber? What's Amber going to do? What's its, what's its purpose? 
you know, so Amber is a is a data service. So it's data. We are going to, you know, not we will eventually operate a constellation of satellites. But our view really is it's a data service, and it's a data service for maritime domain awareness. We didn't want to get all the RF spectrum. We said, listen, our products are primarily used in a maritime environment. Um, and so what we did is we said, let's look at the dark ship product uh, uh, um, problem where ships turn off their AIS, and let's try to identify vessels non-cooperatively. If they have AIS on, they're cooperating with the network. So let's look if they're using sat phones on ships. Let's look if they're using L-band data links on ships, okay? And, and we want to get GPS positions out of those data streams. Um, when we bid for the IOD program, we can talk about that a little bit, we did say, you know what, we can also detect ships' radars. It's, it's a different frequencies, but they're not that much different. So we expanded the idea of the flying fish, I'll still go there, space fish, uh, and actually we said, let's look at ships' radars as well. And we partnered with a little company in Portsmouth called Ezro. It's the Royal Navy supplier of some of their ESM, electronic support measures software. And Ezro is still our partner. We use Ezro's software to decode the, um, the signals that come down from the Amber satellite. So Amber is the name of the satellite, but it's also the name of the data service. And our market um, is certainly the, the Royal Navy, the Joint Maritime Security Center based in Portsmouth. They will be the first recipient of data once the data is flowing. But it is, it is a, a data product that will be immediately marketed worldwide. Um, the Five Eyes community will immediately have, have access to it under, with our permission in Portsmouth. And as I tell people, our market is the Bahamas Coast Guard all the way to, you know, the United States NRO and these NGA and these big, big intelligence organizations. So we think this data is unique. Um, and as we say, we demodulate the data. We're not doing just RF mapping. We're getting you the manufacturer of the radar if we pick up the right signals. Uh, we're getting you the actual location of, say, a pirate on his satellite phone calling to find out what's in the, in the target. We're getting that accuracy down to four meters. Okay. So it's, it's very unique data and the market is worldwide. And the IOD program for us has been the linchpin of getting that data service and that satellite um, into space. Thanks, John. It's interesting you talk about data because, Peter, you were talking about of one of the product offerings um, of um, ACC Clyde in terms of you build spacecraft, that's your background, that's where you came from. But increasingly, you're seeing data as a product, as, as a new offering. So it, it's, it's a couple of different things, really, under one banner. It's certainly in reaction to, to new space becoming a much more established market. You know, there's, the competition is increasing. It is certainly facing a certain level of commoditization. And as an organization, we kind of look to where we can add value to our customers' missions. And in, and in certain cases, we can do this in partnership. And this is Space Data as a Service as a partnership in its initial forms. And this is where actually our group own the assets and we take on the burden of the ownership. This is, you know, licensing, insurance, et cetera. And we then sell, and this will ultimately lease the spacecraft back to the customer and allow them to take the data and to monetize it. Now, we do this for some pretty well-established um, verticals just now, you know, so relatively low risk, low, uh, low risk for us. So things like Earth observation, AIS as an actual 
data set in of itself rather than how, how John uses it. What we will see in the future is, is the group will expand and, and start to offer sort of more commercialized and productized data sets. Um, and that, that will come in time. Uh, and that will be around, as we said before, the blue economy uh, and the environment, et cetera. And really that's based on our heritage of working. And again, it, it will be firmly done in partnership. Thanks, Nick. We've we've touched a little bit on new space, and new space is something where the catapult's really beginning to operate. This is very much our domain and somewhere we're empowering. From your perspective, how's the journey been in terms of what does Amber represent in terms of the new space journey, and where do you see those opportunities building, both from a catapult and obviously from a, a wider perspective, including the UK? Yeah, great question, Mike. Um, so I sit, I sit here with. Um, with a level of enthusiasm for what we're doing, but also what it means to do this day to day. So you ask me about new space and, and for me, it's really how we got here and, and, and what the opportunities are that present themselves now in a program such as the in-orbit demonstration program. So John, we, t we take your, your business for uh, as an example, and we're very proud to be working in partnership with you to put this into orbit, but it really has opened the doors for those industries that haven't, and organizations that haven't necessarily had access to space as a market. Now, New space for me is really opening the floodgates and opening the doors to those who perhaps didn't have access to now having the opportunity to fly a space fish or a, a flying fish or a, whatever it is you want to fly, but but really to do it with to do it with one eye on the future. What does this mean for new space as an industry? And I think if we do it well and we do it sustainably, we do it correctly uh, and we do it efficiently, we can really be leaders in offering such opportunities for companies such as Horizon to fly their um, their assets. Now, what happens next? It, it's very exciting. Anything can happen. But really, this, this for me isn't just an opportunity to showcase what uh, AIS sensing opportunities there are from low Earth orbit, but it's really how we can get a nanosat quick to orbit with a customer's payload that is had access to this in-orbit demonstration opportunity, do it well, do it quickly, uh, and, and open up more opportunities for future development. Thanks, Nick. A lot of key points in there. Peter, just want to pivot back to you a little bit there. Clyde's heritage has been in building small satellites, from really to small satellites to significantly larger ones. The opportunities are that there are in terms of building satellites well, building them faster, as Nick alludes to, getting them to orbit faster, which from John's perspective and other companies, get, getting things into space fast is important. What are the opportunities for the, for the UK in terms of satellite manufacture, satellite growth? Is it about building satellites or is it a bit more holistic? Is it involving all these other services that you mentioned in your preamble? Yeah, I, I think even just picking up what Nick was saying, I think the sustainability piece is actually a really important aspect of where the UK can can actually see some really excellent growth. Uh, space has become busy and it's going to get busier. I think being able to, to build spacecraft quicker and faster and more effectively while not losing any of the hallmarks of what a British product tends to be, which is top quality, then then I think that that is also incredibly important. First to market is a pressure that companies are going to increasingly come under, you know, and, and especially as the, this market becomes more and more commercial. So the UK then sits there and it can add the value across the value chain. The, the UK launch aspect of this particular mission, it has been a missing piece of the puzzle. 
to really tie the whole thing together, to allow us to be responses, responsive, to allow us to um, really drive forward and deliver really novel applications. And, and small satellites in of themselves are the enablers because ultimately space is difficult. Space can be expensive and actually being able to do it on a smaller form factor just opens the door considerably more. And, and that's interesting. Thank you. Um, John, why small satellites? Why, why not fly um, basically amber on one of the megaton spacecraft? Why is IOD in-orbit demonstration good for this? Can you just share a little bit of your, your kind of view and your thoughts on that? Well, if I look back, actually, we'd won an Innovate UK grant for a generic ground station or data center for in those days was going to be our payload or part of it on Spire satellites, on Spire Lemur satellites. And this is true. I heard about the IOD program on LinkedIn. I saw it on LinkedIn. And it was, I think, in 2000, um, early 2019. And I said, look at this to my guys. And there's few of us. It's a seven-man company. I said, look at this thing. There's a program. We can get a payload on a small satellite. And it was actually, if you guys remember, it was a 3U. Um, it was a 3U, just like Spire was in those days. So my guys go, hey, John, we just got this Innovate UK thing. We really need to get this ground state. I go, no, 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 no. We can write this bid. And we, we wrote the bid. And then there became a process of presenting and down select. But we went into this going, hey, this is neat. We, we want to, you know, we were bitten with the space bug. And then I got a call from the uh, catapult and they say, hey, you've, you've been selected, but only if you agree to go to a 6U, not a 3U. I said, yes, yeah, six, 12, I don't care, whatever. So we were, we enthusiastically jumped into this thing. And um, it is a way for a small company to get into space. Look, COVID hit us. And I was blithely saying, hey, it's not that big of a deal. We move on. It was a big deal. We couldn't do in-person meetings. It slowed us down. We made the best of it. But we couldn't have done it without the catapult. And that's the issue here. It's a very complex, small little satellite. It's very complex, as we've all learned. However, we need the catapult to guide us through this. We don't know anything about space. We, well, we're learning now over the past couple of years, that's for sure. But really, we needed people to, to introduce us to people like, like uh, Clyde Space. We, we didn't know these people. And, and really, the whole idea of the thing um, was based on the IOD program. And it's been incredible. We, we've learned so much. It's taken a while to get into space. But that being said, this is a highly complex small satellite. Everyone on, on this call will agree with that. It's, it's a highly complex satellite and can't wait to get it up but without the teamwork of Clyde Space managing the bus for us and the catapult managing the whole program steering us in the right direction we we wouldn't be where we are today absolutely john i mean it's it's been an exciting and i mean it's been a challenging and it's been a complex journey so far and i think everyone would, would agree without doubt that it's one of the, probably the most sophisticated small satellites and it's one of those challenges about if you make a small satellite, it doesn't reduce its complexity. And if anything, it actually increases the complexity. You're trying to do more with less. And that's not just in terms of the volume you have in terms of a small satellite. It's also with the reduced power budget, the challenges of the, of the space environment, and a whole host of other factors. But notwithstanding Horizon um, basically delivering the payload, Clyde Space building the actual bus, 
there's been other partners involved. Nick, we've um, got a whole host of different organisations supporting us right across the UK um, ecosystem. Can you just talk about briefly just some of those other organisations involved who are helping make this a success? Yeah, sure, Mike. It's it's a it's an incredibly valid point there because uh, the satellite applications catapult. Whilst we do retain some experience and knowledge within our ranks, we do, we have gone out to market for for a number of um, subcontracts which have uh, brought in external help and experience, and industry leading experience too. Uh, and if if we consider end to end the the satellite in orbit, let's say. From a ground station perspective, we've we've brought on Goonhilly. Now, Goonhilly Earth Station is the UK's uh, for, foremost uh, at the forefront of, of ground station communications. In fact, whilst we sit here recording this podcast, Goonhilly are gearing up uh, to um, track uh, our NASA Artemis One mission. Uh, I say our as humankind's uh, voyage back to the moon. I was thinking, Nick, suddenly we've pivoted there and we've suddenly inherited the entire uh, space launch system. That would be great. That would be a whole host of different work, wouldn't it? Yeah, let's, stick with, let's stick with ID3 and Amber. We'll get that into space and then we might consider a little bit bigger next time. <laughs> we've developed uh, an, an exceptional working relationship with, with Goonhilly Earth Station as, as one example. We've, as the catapult, have an asset, which is one of our antennas down there, uh, GHY99, which is a, a, a small fry antenna when you compare to the big boys uh, of GH1 and uh, GH6, which are currently in communication with uh, uh, with LRO or, 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 or even uh, Deep Space Network uh, off to Mars, I digress. Uh, if we look across uh, across the project, uh, we brought in Craft Prospects. Craft Prospects are uh, uh, fellow Glaswegians, uh, colleagues, some ex-colleagues uh, of our colleagues at Clyde Space, but Craft Prospects have been assisting us with writing the flight operations procedures. Uh, we've worked with uh, education, so the University of Strathclyde, uh, in developing um, our uh, satellite in a suitcase for testing. Right across the board, we've engaged with UK business and industry in in, um, in bringing um, core aspects of this project together to to enhance what we can offer uh, our we say customers, but partners really, um, such as Horizon in this in orbit demonstration program. So, Mike, can answer your question. Yeah, there's there's lots of people that we've been working with, isn't there? And and that's very much really the story of ID3. ID3 isn't just one effectively spacecraft with one payload and one organization in terms of the satellite applications catapult facilitating it. It's a whole host of different organizations. And I think that alludicates very much to the UK's strength and capability in terms of innovation, in manufacturing, in ground segment operations. And uh, frankly, some of the times when I look at the complexities of ID3, it's both the uh, ingenuity um, and the determination to get there. And that's not um, clearly um, withstanding the developments that L3 Howers have worked on in terms of the payload, John, as well, because your supply chain um, goes beyond the UK um, for, for Amber, and you have partners um, across the world. So getting here has been very much a global journey as much as it has been a UK journey. John, where is Amber going to go? What does this mean? We get Amber into orbit, satellite operates, we start identifying those um, those dark ships. Um, I love that phrase. Um, what does it mean next? Where, where does this take um, Horizon? Where does it take Amber? Great question. Um, and, um, you know, what did David Lloyd George say? A small journey starts with small steps. Um, we have a goal of putting up 24 amber cubesats okay they may go to a bigger maybe a bigger spacecraft so the royal navy when we started talking to them originally they said we need data worldwide 
sometime less than an hour. These ships don't move that fast. And that latency window now has come down to, we need data in Portsmouth 30 minutes or less. So we'd originally thought, well, all we need is six CubeSats in the right orbital planes, and we'll meet that requirement. Well, now the requirement, when it's 30 minutes or less, and this could change because with the new technologies and getting data to the Earth, you can get data down a lot faster. So we're looking at 24 satellites now, and that gives us four satellites in six orbital planes, um, and that meets their requirement. Now, that's the Royal Navy requirement. There's going to be others who have different requirements, maybe not as stringent. But our goal is to get these satellites up there, get the network going. Actually, as a U.K. company, we're going to try to move the technology into the U.K., we're very heavily dependent upon Innovate UK. We're, we're applying for grants, applying for loans. We really don't want to be dependent on a U.S. supplier, though I'm an American. Our goal really is to make this completely um, a U.K. product. Um, and I get tremendous support internationally by the Department of International Trade, by um, U.K. high commissions, embassies around the world. But the, the goal really is we are a data company. We need to get more satellites in orbit. And then the other piece to that is the analytics piece. We need to start doing more with the data. Now, does that mean we partner with someone? Probably in the beginning we do that. With seven people, not, not a big uh, data analytics department right now. So basically, we're going to start with partnering with someone probably and then start expanding that up and really starting to do some of the analytics. Where does the ship go when we didn't see it? Can we get another provider up there to get an EO picture? of the of the of the vessel is there is there someone with a synthetic aperture radar a sar radar up in space that can image that dot that was a very strange transmission in the middle of the ocean with no ais so again the goal is and hopefully certainly with clyde space our partner um our goal is to get more satellites built launched improve the payload bring the technology all to the uk and start providing various data sets to, to customers around the world, starting with the UK with the JMSC. Thanks, John. Um, just a quick soundbite from each of you, basically, on the significance of being on board the UK's first rocket launch out of a UK spaceport, a horizontal rocket launch, in this case with Virgin Orbit. What does it mean, Peter, to you, first of all, what does this mean for you and for Clyde Space? For a company like ours, and we, we've, we've launched across eight or nine different launch vehicles in our time, Having this available on our doorstep, so to speak, and to really close the loop on the full value chain is immensely important. Now, in many cases, logistically, it may not give us the advantage in that particular regards. However, when it comes to actually being able to provide secure mission, resilience missions and, and responsive missions, it actually becomes incredibly important. The UK has also got a very healthy approach to UK launch and actually it will become very commercially viable in the short term in that it will be competed. There will be multiple sites and will be multiple options and that will in itself allow it as the industry always has done to grow successfully. And it's just going to be more export opportunity for the country as well, more jobs. And, and I think it also makes the UK just a really exciting place to come and do business as a space company and to invest because it, it, the ecosystem is just so clear. Thanks, Peter. John, um, the um, historic significance for um, Horizon? Well, I think it's clear. We're a UK company. Uh, we get to participate in the first UK launch. Um, I, I think we've expanded the envelope of IOD3 in many ways, and this is one way we expanded it. And in fact, the fact that Virgin Orbit will be launching 
this launch from Cornwall later this year. Um, and we're going to be part of it, I think, is win-win for, for everyone that's part of our ecosystem right now. It really is. And it, it really shines the light on UK space technology, small companies, cutting-edge technologies. I, I think the, the fact that we're going to be on Virgin's Start Me Up launch, I think we can say that now, I think is really, um, really going to be um, very important. So tr- for us, tremendously important. Thanks, John. Finally, Nick, from a catapult perspective and coming to the end of ID3, how, do, how, how does this relate to you? So as a child, Mike, going to the Isle of Wight and having a look at the old Black Knight rocket test stands and, and imagining what could have been, certainly before my lifetime, um, with the UK rocket industry and to now find myself in a position where, like Peter said there, we're closing the loop, we're bringing it back home. Now, we're not going to compete with 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 the SpaceX of the world, but we're going to start something that we started a long wrong. We're going to finish something that we started a long time ago, and that is... And start something else, perhaps. Absolutely, and start something else. So we've been market leaders in satellite technology for a number of years. You know, we've got a lot of talent and ability and capacity and capability in this country. Let's include launch in that statement, whether it's horizontal, whether it's vertical. We're at the first spaceport, the first UK launch out of UK soil of a UK satellite. It's the start of something new that we should have done a long time ago. So for me, we're we're, we're right where we should be. So realistically, thank you, Nick. For all of us, we're closing the loop. We're closing that loop for the UK ecosystem. We're closing the loop for bringing together the key tenets in terms of what the UK can offer from manufacturing and innovation, data management, ground segment, operations and integration. And we're bringing, as you said, Nick, it's not the end of the story. It's the start of a new chapter. And we're opening that up. And we're really saying, at this point, the sky isn't the limit. Maybe the stars are, but um, IED free and amber and all the various components that bring that together collectively are allowing us to basically start a new chapter for UK space. Absolutely. Peter, John, Nick, um, the three of you, thank you very much for participating in this podcast. We're looking forward to seeing some really exciting things to come. Um, I know we all have our fingers crossed in many, many ways um, to uh, uh, looking forward to seeing the success of ID3, look, looking forward to seeing the successful operation of the Amber payload and looking forward to John seeing the growth of that 24 spacecraft constellation um, in the near future. Thank you all very much. Thank you. Thank you very much. I'm happy to be part of this. Thank you. To hear future episodes of In Orbit, be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app. And to find out more about how space is empowering industries between episodes, visit the Catapult website or join them on Twitter, LinkedIn, or Facebook.